Hello, and welcome to the Crossway Christian Church Podcast. We are a church who wants to practice the way of Jesus together. If we can help you in any way, let us know. And be sure to check out our website at crosswaycc.org. Now let's get back to the podcast. Have you ever experienced something so amazing you simply did not know what to say? I remember a time I was so overwhelmed that I kept saying the same two words again and again and again. It was 1989. I had just begun my first ministry as the minister of outreach at East 91st Street Christian Church, my home church. One day I received an invitation to a Billy Graham School of Evangelism. Now these schools were held all over the country, but there was one in Alberta, Canada. Now I'd been to Nova Scotia and New Brunswick, but I thought, well, I've never been to Alberta. Why not apply to that one? So I did, and I was accepted, and they even paid my whole way there and back. Nancy and I decided to make it a bit of a vacation, since I would have the conference in the mornings and evenings, but would have the afternoons free. So dropping our four-month-old daughter, Katie, uh, with my folks in Kansas City, we flew to Calgary. Renting a car, we drove to the conference destination, Chateau Lake Louise. Now, I'd seen some beautiful places up to that point in my life. I grew up in the Smoky Mountains. I vacationed as a kid in New England and Eastern Canada. I spent a month in Norway when I was 11. I worked uh, a summer right next to Rocky Mountain National Park in Estes Park, Colorado. Did a month in the San Juan Mountains of Colorado. Nancy and I drove up and down the coast of California. Two years earlier, we had hiked in Yosemite National Park. But I was blown away by the beauty of Lake Louise. Our room was on the seventh floor looking out over the turquoise-colored waters and in the background were the Canadian Rockies. And every afternoon, uh, when we would go hiking, I would just say again and again these two words, simply gorgeous, simply gorgeous, simply gorgeous. Now, how do I know that's what I said? Because I was carrying with me one of those big video cameras that we used to have back in the day, right? And it was recording not only the scenery, the mountains and the snow and the moose and the mountain goats, but it was recording me again and again saying those two words, simply gorgeous, simply gorgeous, simply gorgeous. As my kids got older and used to watch this video, they got a big kick out of that. And it became known as the Simply Gorgeous video. In the passage we're going to look at today, The Apostle Paul writes not from a beautiful setting like Chateau Lake Louise, not from the top of a mountain overlooking the wonders of God's nature, but he is under house arrest. He is quarantined, handcuffed to a Roman soldier. And yet, God pulls back the curtain into the heavenly places to show Paul and the Ephesian church and us all the spiritual blessings he has for us there. Paul, rather than repeating two words again and again like simply gorgeous, simply gorgeous, simply gorgeous, he erupts in what in the original language is one long, complex sentence, verses 3 to 14. It's been called a kaleidoscope of dazzling lights and shifting colors. The overture of an opera that tells us of the melodies to follow. And a snowball tumbling downhill, picking up volume as it descends. The encouragement for us, praise God for his spiritual blessings. Praise God for his spiritual blessings. When I was a new believer, I uh, I learned a little acronym from Rick Warren to help me study my Bible. It's called Space Pets. 
In fact, you could Google it, Rick Warren Space Pets, and read about it. Please don't Google it during this message. So here's what Rick says. He says, ask questions uh, that line up with this acronym when you read your scriptures. So, for example, S is, is there a sin to confess? P, is there a promise to claim? A, is there an attitude to change? C, is there a command to obey? E, is there an example to follow? P, is there a prayer to pray? E, is there an error to avoid? T, is there a truth to believe in? S, is there something for which we can praise God? And the answer to that today is yes, we can praise God for his spiritual blessings. And as we do, as we allow God to lift our eyes and our hearts to all he has done for us in Christ in these heavenly places, it lifts us out of our present circumstances and we become more of a resilient people able to deal with the challenges that God gives us in this life. Let's turn, if you will, with me to Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 to 14, beginning in verse 3. Here is what we read. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Right away, we see it as our three-in-one God who blesses us. God the Father is the source of every blessing. In fact, he's the subject of almost every main verb. Students, grammar matters. Because God, he, he is the one who blessed and chose and predestined and gave and lavished and revealed and purposed. He is the one who has set his love on us and poured out his grace on us. Then we see Jesus. It's in Jesus Christ that we enjoy all these spiritual blessings. In fact, again and again, as some say 11, some say I think 12 or 13 times, we see this phrase, in him, in him or in Christ. It's in Christ that we enjoy spiritual blessings. And then there's the Holy Spirit. And these blessings are spiritual, not just because they impact our spirits, but rather because they come to us through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And where are these blessings? Again, uh, they're in the heavenly realm, sometimes translated heavenly places. Uh, this phrase is used five times in the book of Ephesians. What does it mean? It's the unseen world of spiritual reality beyond our known world, beyond our mortal earth. And this world will endure once our earth passes away. And it's in this world that God has given us all these spiritual blessings. So what are these blessings? Well, let's look together at verse 4 as we begin together unpacking them. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. The blessing, God chose us. God chose us in Christ. There's that phrase. We don't come to God on our own merit. We don't come to God on our own worth. We are undeserving. We are sinful people. God chooses us in Christ. In fact, even before he created us, he knew man, he knew that we would fall, that we would sin. But he provided a way, the only way, for us to be saved, and that is through his son, Jesus Christ. In fact, scripture teaches that to all who received him, that is Jesus, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to be called children of God. Children born not of natural descent or a human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. God has chosen us for these blessings in Christ. Now, like many of you, I have enjoyed the Toy Story movies through the years. 
And I think one of my favorite scenes in all of them occurs in the first movie when Woody and Buzz uh, make it to the pizza planet trying to reconnect with Andy. So they go in and uh, Woody sees Andy, but unfortunately Buzz sees what he thinks is a rocket ship. And it's actually a crane game. And so Buzz crawls into the crane game and there he's met, uh, he plunges right in the midst of these little aliens. And they, they, they say, a stranger from the outside. Oh, greetings. I am Buzz Lightyear. I come in peace. This is an intergalactic emergency. I must commandeer your vessel to Sector 12. Who's in charge here? The Claw. The Claw is our master. The Claw decides who will go and who will stay. Just then, Sid Phillips, Andy's toy-destroying neighbor, comes to the crane game and, he, and down comes the crane, right? Toward Woody and Buzz and all the little alien guys. And up comes one little alien who declares, I have been chosen. I go to a better place, my friends. He's not going to a better place. He's going to Sid's house. And so, in fact, are Woody and Buzz. But we have been chosen, and we are going to a better place. And even now, we enjoy God's spiritual blessing in those heavenly places. Because God has chosen us. God has chosen us. To what purpose? He tells us one of them in this scripture is to be holy and blameless in his sight. In Christ... God uh, makes us holy. He sets us apart as his own. That's a position. So, for example, if the Bible is Christ, which is a great illustration of Christ, and this is us, to be in Christ means that we are, we're like this, which means when God looks at us, he doesn't see our sin. He doesn't see all the ways we fall short. We are in Christ. We have a position of holiness. But God calls us to begin to live out and in practice what we are in position. Or as Dave said uh, last week, to begin to align our life with our calling, to experientially become more holy and blameless just as we are positionally. Are you tired of corona season as it drags on and on? Do Do you wonder what your purpose in this world could be? Allow the challenges of this pandemic to to crack your self-will. that that God, through the Holy Spirit, might experientially produce holiness in you. Let God crush, during this time, your self-sufficiency. That like a, a broken bottle of perfume, the aroma of the Holy Spirit might permeate your life. That you might be in practice holy while you are in position. God has chosen us in Christ to be holy and blameless. We can praise Him for that blessing. Well, the blessings continue, verses 5 and 6. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he's freely given us in the one he loves. The blessing, God has predestined us. To what purpose? To adoption as his kids, to adoptions as his sons and daughters, And he has done this through Jesus Christ. You know, sometimes people ask, why did God go ahead and create man? Why did he go ahead and create us knowing that we would fall? Knowing that we would sin? Because God had decided to give us a blessing that would be greater even than that of creation. Greater even than being made in his image, fearfully and wonderfully made. And that blessing, this higher blessing, is adoption as his sons and daughters. 
Now, the word predestined here means God has established boundaries in advance for who could be adopted. He staked those out in advance, and those who can be adopted are those who are in Christ. Again, like all spiritual blessings, adoption into God's family comes through Jesus Christ. But when we're in Christ, we are literally adopted uh, by the king of the universe. And again, this is a blessing for which we can praise God. And as we begin to embrace this blessing and remember these blessings, it can lift us out of the challenges of our current circumstances and empower us to live as more resilient people. Blessing of adoption is an amazing blessing. Many of us rejoiced recently with Logan and Tori Phillips on the adoption of their daughter, Kendall. Now, certainly, they loved Kendall before her adoption. Very much so. But on April 15th, at 1.16 p.m., she became officially theirs. In the same way that we have a new name, Christian, when we come to Christ, she has a new name, Kendall James Phillips. She has a new home like we have a new home. She has a new inheritance. She's as much a part of the Phillips family as her youngest daughter, Miller Rose Phillips. Praise God for the blessing of adoption. And this God who has blessed us wants us to continue to praise him for all that he has done for us. And these blessings continue. Verses 7 and 8. In him, that is in Jesus, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches that he has lavished on us. The blessings, redemption and forgiveness. Redemption and forgiveness. Now the word redeem means to to deliver or to set free or to rescue by by paying a price. Now, probably one of my favorite pictures of redemption is found in the Old Testament. God calls a man named Hosea to be a prophet, that is to speak for him. And then right away, God gives him a very unusual command. He tells him literally, go marry a promiscuous woman. Go marry a promiscuous woman and have children with her, for this land is guilty of unfaithfulness to the Lord. So Hosea obeys. He marries a woman named Gomer. They have children, but as she is a promiscuous woman, she eventually leaves him for another man. And then God says to Hosea, go show your love to your wife again, though she is loved by another man and is an adulteress. Love her as the Lord loves the Israelites. And so Hosea goes and literally buys her back from this man and restores her to full position in his household. This is a picture of redemption. And what Jesus has done for us is he has bought us out of the slavery of sin by the shedding of his blood. We have redemption through the shedding of his blood. What an amazing, amazing blessing. In fact, Peter tells us and reminds us that it wasn't with perishable things, such as silver or gold, money, that we were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to us from our ancestors, but rather with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. It's the blood of Jesus that makes our redemption and, yes, our forgiveness possible. Now, I imagine just about all of you know what this is. Yes, this is hand sanitizer. I'm starting to have dreams about this stuff. In these dreams, a pack of these things are chasing me through the woods, and then they surround me in a circle, and they they start getting closer and closer, saying, wash your hands, wash your hands. Listen, I've washed my hands more in the last nine weeks with this stuff than in my previous 60 years, probably by a factor of 10, if not 100. I I never washed my hands that much. And many of you probably never washed your hands that much either, but we're doing it. Why? 
Because we don't want to transmit the coronavirus, that's why. Because it matters, because it's a big deal, because it's important. I imagine there's some of us, perhaps many of us, that don't really think sin's that big a deal. After all, why should we really care about sin? I mean, after all, we all sin, what's the big deal? Well, in the same way that we don't want people coming toward us with, with, with unwashed hands, perhaps potentially with COVID on them, God, as a holy God, cannot take us lifting our sin-stained hands to us, Him and expecting it to be acceptable. In fact, when we offer what we do on our own without Christ, apart from Christ, He calls those filthy rags. It's only the blood of Jesus that this holy God who loves us has given us that makes our redemption and our forgiveness possible. But he does it because he loves us. And what another blessing we can praise God for, that he loves us enough that he has redeemed us and forgiven us through the blood of Jesus. In fact, uh, like all of God's blessings, it tells us they come from the riches of his grace. And the word Paul chooses to use here is the word lavished. I mean, that's a great word. It means it's extravagant. It's above the top. He's lavished the riches of his grace on us. Redemption and forgiveness is some of the blessings, and here we're going to read about more spiritual blessings that come through the lavishing of the riches of God's grace. Pick me up, if you will, with verse 8 into 10. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ, to be put into effect when all the times reach their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. The blessing, he revealed to us the mystery. Now, what do you think of when you hear the word mystery? Well, I imagine many of you think of someone like Sherlock Holmes, right? And he's out looking for the the sudden disappearance of someone or how someone died. And in that context, mystery means something that's difficult or impossible to understand, much less explain. But that's not what mystery means in the New Testament. In the New Testament, mystery is something that's been kept secret until God chooses to reveal it. So what's the mystery here? The mystery here is that one day, all things will be united under Jesus Christ. And the word for unity here has that sense of under a single head. So yes, the church has as its head Jesus Christ, but one day in the future, all things in heaven and on earth, will come together under Jesus. Are you tired of disunity in the world? Are you sick of the discord? Praise God, one day all things will be one under Jesus. Are you tired of and weary of politics and, and partisanship? One day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Praise God for his blessing of unity. Now remember, Paul continues to write this amazing passage while he is chained to a Roman soldier. Though his wrist is confined and though his body is confined, his mind inhabits eternity. As God enables him to look back to the foundations of the world and forward to future times to remind us to grasp all these spiritual blessings that we have right now in these heavenly places. Too often, we're not like Paul. We allow the the challenges of this world, pandemics and money problems and screen fatigue and remote learning and all these things that we're dealing with now to, to kind of bring us down. But like Paul, if we have Paul's perspective, we're gonna have Paul's praise. 
And life will become worship as we bless the God who has so richly blessed us in Jesus Christ. Let's continue to hear more blessings. Verse 11. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. In order that we who were the first to put our hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory. The blessing here, God has made us his special possession. That's the sense of the language in that word chosen. God has made us his portion, it's sometimes communicated. He's made us his people. He's made us his possession. At creation, again, God made us special. He made us in his image, but in Christ, he's gone a step further. He's made us his special possession. Think for a moment of a, of a prized possession. Perhaps some of you might think of an heirloom, for example, maybe a wedding ring handed down through the generations. Others of you will, will think of someone you love. Even though you don't own them, you've chosen to set your love on them. They are, in your minds, a special possession, a special owner, a special portion in your life. Several years ago, when we were still living on Long Island, I was up early on a Saturday morning. It was winter time, and I was just eating my breakfast and kind of absorbed in what I was reading. And my wife called back from the back part of the house. She said, did I just hear a, a cat meow or, or did I hear someone scream? And I looked up from my cereal at that moment out the back bay window toward our snow-covered yard and the river in the distance. And I saw my youngest daughter, Amy's best friend, running as fast as she could toward the house. And I knew, you instinctively and intuitively know as a parent, my youngest daughter's in trouble and it has to do with the river. And so I flew out the house. I was in my socks, running through snow, and I was praying. I remember praying, Lord, give me wisdom, protect my daughter and give me wisdom to deal with what I encounter. And when I got there, she was in the water. She was in the river. She had broken through the ice. And what had happened is she and her friend were simply sitting on the dock and kind of tapping on the ice with their feet, and the ice broke, and the snowsuit slid across, and down she went into the water. And Megan, her friend, had been able to lift her up, but she'd put her hand on the cleat, and run to get me. And so I was able to get her up. And you had one of those moments as a parent where part of me wanted to say, what were you thinking? But that was dismissed into just a big hug and praising God and loving on her and thanking him that he had saved her uh, from death. And I think about God who in Jesus has made us his special possession, has done what it takes, has given us blessing of making us his own because he loves us. He loves us that much. Why did he make us his people? Why give us these blessings? That we might live to the praise of his glory. And knowing that we would need help to do that, he gives us one final blessing. And we read about it in these last two verses. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you were believed, when you believed you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are in God's possession to the praise of his glory. The blessing God gave us the Holy Spirit. And it's a promise. It was promised through the Old Testament prophets. It was promised by Jesus and given on the day of Pentecost. And it's promised to all those who repent and put their belief in Jesus. But it's also a seal. Now, a seal was something a king might put on a document to demonstrate that it was a genuine document, that it was authentic, uh, that it belonged to him. Now, I'm no king, but when I was in seminary, my wife got me this little seal uh, thing called the Royal Mark. How about that? And it's used for letting people know that books belong to me. So, for example, if I just 
come to this book, The Reappearing Church, and let's say I don't want you know, Dave Ripper to mix up my book and his book, and I squeeze it like this, it makes a little, it raised little uh, seal that basically has Library of David Michael Smith around the circle in the middle, DMS, you know, real impressive. Now, in Christ, God doesn't give us an external seal, but the Holy Spirit is a seal on our hearts. In fact, we prove we belong to God by the indwelling Spirit in our lives. So an amazing blessing of the Spirit that's a promise, a seal, and yes, a deposit that guarantees something. It's a deposit in that it's a down payment for something fuller we're going to have later on. Have you ever gone to an ice cream place and you want to taste a little bit of ice cream and they give that tiny little spoon, you know, with a little foretaste, and then you can't wait to get the big thing? That's what it's going to be like with the Spirit. We have a taste of the Spirit now, but when we're with God, it's going to be great fullness. And... It's a guarantee, the Spirit now, it's a guarantee that when we are with Him, it will be even fuller. What an amazing array of spiritual blessings Paul has shared with us. He, God has chosen us. He's chosen us to, to be holy and blameless. God has, has redeemed us from our sins. He's predestined us for adoption. He's revealed to us the mystery of future unity. He's made us His special possession. He's given us the Holy Spirit. And why does he do all these things? He does all these things for his glory and our ultimate good. Don't miss God's love for you in these blessings. God is for you. This past Easter, uh, churches around the greater Pittsburgh area came together to record a song they wanted to give as a gift to their community called The Blessing. And the song is based on a scripture, number 6, 24 to 26, which says this. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. And in this song, as it goes on and on, there's a refrain, that, at least in this version, that they begin to sing kind of quietly and it begins to pick up steam. He is for you. They're talking about God for the city of Pittsburgh. He is for you. He is for you. He is for you. And the drum gets louder. He is for you. He is for you. He is for you. And almost every time that refrain goes on and on and on, I begin to cry. Because God makes anew in my heart the truth that he is for us. In the midst of our pain, he is for us. In the midst of the chaos, he is for us. In the midst of the isolation, he is for us. In the midst of your marital strife, he is for you. In the midst of your job challenges, he is for you. When you feel overwhelmed by the world, God is for you. And I want you to write that down somewhere on a phone, on a post-it note, on a mirror. God is for me. God is for me. And look at it many times a day. It's an amazing blessing to think that God is for us. And if I could sum up that whole passage that we looked at, I could simply say, God is for us. Let's praise him for his spiritual blessings. Will you pray with me? God, we thank you for every good and perfect gift that comes from you. We thank you, God, for your blessings. We thank you that they're ours. We thank you that as we begin to embrace them and remember them and praise you for them, we will live as your resilient people, not battered and swayed by the changing sands and circumstances of this world, but standing on the rock who is Jesus, basking in the love of a God who has loved us enough to bless us in so many ways, we pray in Jesus' name.